We could all open up our bulletins, take out the outline. We are coming to quickly to an end of the book of Deuteronomy. Last week, we began really a mini-series. Mini Last week, today, and next week. A little grim, a little grim, uh, because Moses is warning the people. And I know we all want to be lifted up and encouraged, but the Word of God many, many times warns us about turning. So Moses last week warned. This week, he's warning. I didn't label last week part one, but it was. Those of you who want to keep it. Today's part two. Next week will be part three of Moses' warning. He tells the people, in a sense, don't forget God. Always remember to give thanks and worship and praise to God. Always. Makes me think, and I've shared it before, on the, one of the Seinfeld ish, uh, shows. I don't watch it, but I've heard about it. No, no. But I, I, once someone gave Jerry some tickets to a hockey game. And he went and enjoyed the hockey game. And he came back. And Kramer said afterwards, did you thank the guy? He goes, well, when he gave me the tickets, I thanked him. And Kramer says, oh, no, no. You got to thank him afterwards. Drew goes, oh, no, no, I'm tired of that. After the fact, Thanksgiving. I, I, I thanked him. That should be good enough. And Kramer says, oh, no, no. You got to thank him afterwards, too. Otherwise, we're not going to get tickets for the next game. And Jerry says, no, no, I'm finished with thank yous. One is all they get. And so he didn't get the next game. And so it was, it was, but it made me think, we have to learn to give thanks. Not just to each other. You know, I, I marvel. A lot of parents do it. And it seems like, to me, Josh, my Josh and Becca, they seem to go overboard with their little Nava. Every time Nava does something, do you thank you? Did you say please? Or are you thankful? Always. They may, and I guess it's hard. Because you forget. You get something, off you go. No, a little child especially. Did you thank? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's got to be ingrained in your mind. We start taking things for granted. And we don't thank God. And we don't worship Him. We need to practice that all the time. And we see that's what Moses is really telling us in the Song of Moses. Don't forget God. Thank Him. Praise Him. Worship Him. Give thanks. Otherwise, you will forget. You will reject. You will turn. Learn to give thanks all the time for all things. Uh, there was a good king by the name... Uh, there's a few kings that were good. But there was a good king by the name of Asa. He was a good king in the land of Judah. And he, he started off his career in the Second Chronicles. He started off his career praising and worshiping and giving thanks to God. He did good. And the Bible tells us at one point that an army was coming against him from the south, Dead Sea area. An army of a million people. This was at the beginning of this good king Asa's reign. And it said Asa was a good king and he trusted God. He gave thanks to God. He worshiped God. And so this army came against a million people against him. And he says, Lord, you got to do it. And the Lord destroyed the enemy. Just like that. Now time passed and it's 35 years later. Asa's at the end of his reign. He's been blessed by God. He's had good 35 years. And so now another army is coming against him. The end of his career. It's 35 years later. Another army is coming against him. And rather than turning to God or trusting God, he goes to a foreign enemy and he gives them money for you to come and invade this enemy so I'll be protected. And that's really the story. And I want you to skip a couple uh, slides to Second Chronicles 15 uh, to verse 7. Verse 7. It's at the end. Verse 
That's we go. Good. But look what it says. And at that time, Hanani, the Hanani, the prophet, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah. This is at the end of his career. Because you relied on the king of Aram, which is really Syria. So, instead of going to God, he went to Syria and said, Syria, you attack this other country coming against us. Instead of uh, going to God, he said, you relied on the king of Aram, and you have not relied on the Lord your God. Now, I want you to remember, Asa was a good king. He relied on God his whole life. And then it's at the end, his last year or two. It says, you've not relied now on this time. Therefore, the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. And what I like you to see is this next sentence. You have acted foolishly in this. I could see him saying, wait, I've trusted the Lord my whole life. Well, keep going. But he became arrogant. He thought he deserved all his riches and position and wealth. He forgot to give thanks and praise. And it says, You've acted foolishly in this king. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have Tsurus. That's because you're in a messianic congregation, you hear Tsurus. You know? If you're in a church, you wouldn't hear Tsurus. Headaches, problems, difficulties. You will have wars. Why, everyone? You didn't trust him. And that's the message for us. You didn't trust. You forgot God. You rejected the power of God. You forgot, I put it here, we suffer when we reject, we forget, we forsake, we rebel against God's goodness, God's faithfulness, and God's blessings. When you forget, you suffer. We see, main thought, fill it in your outlines. This is part two. We saw something similar last week. When we reject God's goodness, that's all the blessings he gives in your life. When we reject God's faithfulness, his trustworthiness, his reliability, you can expect, I know people don't like the word, I'm always a little cautious about it, God's anger, God's discipline, I could say God's displeasure. I know we don't like the word punishment because punishment is for your sins and we've been judged for our sins. But anyway, you, will, you when you reject God, you can expect his anger, his discipline, and the problems that are going to come in our lives. Last week I mentioned, just quick, Moses, Joshua warned Israel, and in a sense they warned us. They said, we're going to teach you a song, Israel, and this is today. Last week Joshua and Moses said, Israel, you're going to learn a song, you're going to sing the song, and there's a purpose for you singing the song. Next week we will sing a song of Moses. It's not that one. But this song is supposed to, is a testimony to who God is. It's a testimony to what you're going to become. It's a testimony to the faithfulness of God. It's a testimony and a record of you rejecting and rebelling and what will take place. God is trying to tell them, always remember, I'm faithful. When you turn from me, there's trouble. And it's the same thing in our lives, believers. Now, I'm not talking about your eternal salvation when you're in this left bubble. If you've never accepted the Lord, you're apart from God. You're separated from Him. You might be a good person. You've never accepted Messiah. You accept Messiah, put your trust in Him. You come into the bubble, the body of Messiah. But that doesn't mean that you still can't live your own life and turn away from God and rebel against Him and reject Him. And if you do, as a believer, you suffer. Misery. Wars. Trouble. Anguish. Are you going to heaven? Of course you're going to heaven. Because you put your trust in Yeshua. But that doesn't mean your life is going to be good. 
when you reject God. So here we have the song. Three things, and you, you can fill this in. I think I, I was thinking about giving you the three points early and quick. One, we should remember and not forget God's blessing to you. That's the first thing. Remember, don't forget God's blessing. Roman number two, I want you, you could just fill it in. First, we should remember his blessings. Two, we should beware of turning. You just want to fill it in quickly. Turning and forsaking God. And three, we should fear. Believers, wake up. We should fear God. We should fear God's uh, anger and discipline or displeasure. So, let's start off. One, we should remember and not forget God's blessings to us. It's crucial. We're going to get closer and closer to Thanksgiving. I'm going to share that on the last weekend in November. God's, Israel forgot God's blessings. They didn't. Re- it's like you got to remind yourself and remember and rehearse it and recite it and constantly recount God's blessings to you all the time. It is good and healthy. Israel forgot. We do too. We have to, this song, we're supposed to practice giving thanks and remembering what God has done. How do we do that? First, we are to remember or recount. Recount and not forget God's blessing to us. This is how we remember God's blessing. We are to recount it. Go it over and over and over in your head. It's a healthy practice. We should recount the greatness of God. Now, first thing I want to say when I say we recount the greatness of God. I didn't say his blessings. The first thing you do is you recount, narrate, rehearse who God is. His greatness. I'm not saying his blessings. That's what he does. I'm saying his character. Who he is. You recount the greatness of God. Moses begins, and I'll get to that in a minute. But Moses begins, 3130, he says this. Then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel. Remember, he's on this side of the Jordan. Everyone look up here. Here's the land of, uh, I'm sorry. Here we're down in Egypt. Down here is in Egypt. We got out of Egypt, crossed, uh, went down into the Sinai Desert. We came over, we wandered in the Sinai Desert for 40 years, came up on this side, Jordan River, Israel's in the middle. On this side, there was three nations, and you should remember them. Does anyone know them? Good. I taught you well. I like it. We are on. Here we go. Ready, everyone? Three nations on the side of the Jordan was Edom, Moab, and the sons of Ammon. Those three nations. That's on the Jordan side. And so Moses came up there uh, with the Jewish people. And he's, and he's telling them. Then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly. He got all the people together. He's on the other side of the Jordan. He's about to die. He's going to die. Joshua's going to take him across the Jordan into the land of Israel. Moses gathers them all together, the assembly of Israel. And he says, the words of the song until they were complete. God had Moses teach the Jewish people the, the song of Moses. First, God told Moses. Second, Moses told Joshua. Third, Moses and Joshua tell all the people, here's your song, folks. It's a great and important song that we're going to teach you. That all are to recite and remember. It was sort of a renewal. As you're going in, listen, I want you to sing this song. God's faithful, we're not. Remember that. You know what it really is? The form, and it's not too important here, but the form is really in a lawsuit. I think you can understand that. What God is saying, if you're not faithful, God's got a case against you, Israel. God's righteous. 
He's got a case because you didn't do your bargain. God did his bargain because he's great. You didn't. It's sort of a lawsuit. Get ready. When you do go in the land, if you're not faithful, God's going to judge you. That's what the song is all about. God's faithfulness and their uh, unfaithfulness. Verse 1. We begin the song. Moses says to the people, Give ear, O heavens, let me speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Really? Israel's all there. Moses and Joshua are here. Moses is saying, All you listen. Heaven and earth are witnessing against you. Listen to the song. I want the whole world to hear this song. What is the song? God is faithful. You are not. God is righteous. You turn from him. God is righteous judgment against you if you turn from him. And that's the whole idea of the song. Now God's intent, now this is important, God's intent is to tell the people, I love you. I will take care of you. I will meet all your needs and care for you. Just turn to me. Don't turn away. God's intent is good. And so he's using it sort of as, as a reminder. He's saying the whole earth. He says, let all the earth hear the words. It's, it's like a universal song. What God is and what Israel is. And he goes on. He begins the song in the first section here. And it says, let my teaching drop as rain. God's words. Let it be rain. Let it be dew. We have rain today. I, I, most Californians are saying, oh, thank God. We need it. You know, we're from the East Coast. We miss it. We love it. But you need it, really, desperately here. The rain brings blessing. That's what God is saying. My teaching is for you, Israel. It's like rain. It's like dew on the ground. It nourishes. It's like droplets. Here, that's what, the way he's speaking here. Let my teaching drop as rain. My speech distill as the dew. As the drops on the fresh grass. And as the showers on the, uh, the herbs. God's teaching is for you. Take note. You can make, uh, forget the next two slides. Uh, take note, Israel, of what I'm trying to say to you. Don't lose heart. But be different. And listen to my warnings. We go to Deuteronomy 32, verse 3. Here's the beginning of the song. This is where it all begins. I love these two verses. Simple. For I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. We read that in the Psalms. And we just pass over it. I proclaim the name of the Lord. We ascribe greatness to our God. You know what Moses is saying? Say it again. We, everyone, let's repeat it. Ready? Everyone, I. Again. Stand up. Come on, this is not idle. This is important. I, everyone. That's what he's saying. Once more, here we go. You can sit down. You need to be woken up a little bit. We have someone in our congregation. You know her over there, Candace Smith. She's embarrassed. She's hiding. This is her book. It's her book. And me, as a rabbi, I got the privilege of reading it and critiquing it. And I told her, I have nothing to critique. Oh, you got a verse wrong here and there, misspelling here, that, nothing. The book is on the greatness of God. And, and she thanked me for reading it. I said, thank you. All it did was turn me to the Lord. She speaks about the greatness of God. 
All his attributes. It is so good to go over God's attributes. Who he is. Here it is. We are ascribed. Not what God has done for us. That's another issue. We're going to get to that. But first, just who he is. His character. His nature. You've got to be blown away when you start studying it. You're going to read this. You're going to get it. You're going to be blown away. Because it's going to tell us how great he is. How small we are. How much he loves us. We ascribe greatness to the Lord. That's what you did. We proclaim the name of the Lord. That's what it means when Moses says, proclaim the name of the Lord. Proclaim his greatness. Ascribe greatness. Larry, it's enough. No, it's not. It's never enough. I go the whole hour and, that's, and we should leave here going, oh, he's so great, he's so great, he's so great. That's what Moses is saying. Focus on the greatness of God. Okay, it's enough commercial for candy. Anyway, look at me. Psalm 29. You get a feeling this is what he's doing. Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the Maya. Ascribe. Here we go. God, God, God. It's all him. It's always him. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. He's got all power. Glory shines, his brilliance, his goodness, his holiness. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Uh, worship the Lord in holy array. You know, I preach. Women, you are going to your women's. We all want to be good, don't we? We all want to be good. We want people that weren't you good. But you know, I'll tell you, I do, I'm just like everybody else, but I'll tell you afterwards. What you want, really, and when people start thanking you for a good man, he, the flesh wants it, but you've got to ascribe greatness to him. It's all about him. It's all about him. I felt good, I did good. I feel bad, I didn't do good. Bah, nothing. It means nothing. It's all about him. It's all the greatness of Ascribe to him. We can't ever get tired of ascribing to how great he is. It says, ascribe to the Lord, glory to his name. Worship the Lord in holy array, the voice of the Lord. On the whole waters, thunders all over the world. The, the God of glory thunders. The voice of the Lord's over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. And God is great. God is holy. God is good. On and on. Verse 5, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord hose out, hose out the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the, the voice of the Lord. Lord's power and mighty. And I was thinking about this week and then all of a sudden I had to add another verse. Because we're going to get to it. But in the book of Revelation... Remember, it's the book of Revelation, not Revelations. Cut the S off, right? Okay. It's Revelation. It's the revelation of Yeshua. Anyway, pet peeve. When you get to chapter 4, it tells us who God the Father is. And look what it says. Revelation 4. There are 24 elders. We're not sure who they are. We're not sure if it's the body of Messiah. There's a question, debate. It's not important. But whoever's in heaven, 24 elders, fall down before him who sits on the throne. They worship him who lives forever and ever. And they will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Ascribe to the Lord, worthy, O Lord, are you, Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power and glory and honor and power, glory and honor and power, ascribe greatness, proclaim the name. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed, and they were created. Chapter 4 gives glory to the Father. Chapter 5, glory to the Son. Listen to the words. Who, how great he is. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. What a power. This is heaven. The elders, all the believers, all the angels, myriads of angels, everything in heaven and earth are only looking to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, looking to God. 
And it says, they all, I love this scene, many angels around the throne, living creatures and the elders, the number of them, myriads among myriads, multitudes, thousands and thousands, ten thousands and thousands, thousands of thousands, saying in a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb, Yeshua, who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and praise and glory. And ascribe to the Lord how great he is. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And under the sea and all things in them. And I heard everyone saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Messiah, the Lamb. Be blessing and glory and honor and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures, everyone fell down. Amen. And they worship. And the elders fell down and worship. And they ascribe greatness to God. That's what we do. You know something? That's what we need to do all the time. Ascribe greatness to who he is. Verse 4, Moses, the rock. You could preach a whole message probably on the rock. His stability, his strength, his power, his reliability. The rock, it's always portrayed as God's strength and power. He is perfect. No unrighteousness in him. That's what Candy's book brings out. For all his ways, they're just. A God of faithfulness without injustice. Always righteous and upright is is he. Candy's book is that. And then I got another one here, folks. Our great and awesome God. It's a good one to get a hold of too. This book deals just with a couple interesting topics. God exists. Nothing to prove. He always has existed. God is spirit. God is personal. He's caring and loving. God is triune nature. God is infinite. No beginning, no end. He's always there for you. He's outside of time. Time doesn't limit God. He created time. God's infinite knowledge. He knows everything. No surprises. Everything you're going through right now, all your pain, everything, God knows it all. And along with that, He's loving. Not only does He know your problems, but He loves you. And He cares for you. And He's everywhere present. God is omnipresent. So He's always, no matter where you go, David says, if I go to heaven, He's there. If I go down to the shield and hell, He's there. He's everywhere. I can't escape Him. He can be relied upon. He's the rock. He's perfect. Perfect in knowledge. He's not limited by space. He's with every one of us, wherever you go, all over the world. He has all power. I like that. Nothing. Nothing can stop him. He's immutable. He never changes. I put down here, he never changes. He's not moody. (laughs) He doesn't have a good mood or a bad mood. He's always consistent. He's sovereign. I like that one. He does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, without checking with us. That's good. You don't want to check with us. God's truthful. He's always honest, perfectly true and honest. He's love. He's merciful. He doesn't give you what you deserve. He's holy. No sin, no evil. He's righteous, good and right and perfect. He's just, fair and wise and all-knowing. He's patient. He's gracious. He gives us more than we deserve. God's faithful, consistent, reliable. It's good to recite, recount who God is. That's what Moses is trying to tell us. It's it's good to give thanks, to recount God's greatness. Second, fill it in. So you recount who he is. But then we should recall God's goodness and blessings. You know the difference? Now if I go too fast, you miss the difference. I said, first, we recount his greatness, who he is. That's his attributes. Then, you should recall his goodness and his blessings, what he does, what he did. 
Now, it's interesting because in the Song of Moses here, we want to recount what God did, which he will do. But first, he tells us Israel's reaction. He's, Israel should have worshipped him and praised him and give thanks and glory and honor. Instead, Moses is saying, remember Israel, the mighty God, who he is, what he did. Let me tell you what you did. Nice thing to remember about yourself. Here it is. Verse 5. They acted corruptly toward him. That's what we're supposed to sing? We acted corruptly? Yes, because we turned. We acted corruptly. We were not his children because we were defective. But our perverse and crooked generation. What Moses is trying to say, when you do turn, this is what it'll look like. And we always have turned. Even though God is faithful, he's giving a contrast here. Do you thus repay, o Lord, uh, uh, repay the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is not he your father who bought you? He made you and he established you. All that God did for you, what you should do, Israel, us, admit, I have been weak. I have not been faithful. I have not given him praise and glory and honor and ascribed greatness to his name. I've turned from him. Admit that where you're at and turn. What our reaction should be is found in Psalm 116. What shall I render? What shall I give back to God for all his benefits to me? Not turn on him. He's so good. We should fall down like the fall down before him and say, Holy are you. Your blessings are great. Two things who God is, what he's done. I shall lift up the cup of salvation. That's the cup of my life. I shall give him my life at every turn. Because he cares for me more than anyone else cares for me. I shall give him my cup of my life. I will call upon the name of the Lord. We are recalling God's goodness. Look what Moses says now. He goes on. Remember the days of old Israel. Now everyone, remember the time. 40 years later, Moses is going to take him in. So what Moses is really saying to them, Israel, remember 40 years ago when you came out of Egypt. When you came out of Egypt, God pro- provided for you and cared about you. 40 years in the wilderness. Remember the days of old Israel from before that. 400 years before that. Not just the last 40 years, Israel. Do you remember how he took care of you in the wilderness? We learned that on Sukkot. How he gave you bread and water and meat and provided for you and protected you from the enemy. Remember Israel 40 years. If you don't remember generation, ask your parents. Oh, you can't, they're dead. Anyway, so new generation going in. Remember the days of old Israel. Before that, you were 400 years in the iron furnace of Egypt. And God watched over you even there. Remember, look what he says. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of every generation, of all generations. Ask your father. He will inform you. Your elders, they will tell you. When the Most High gave the nations the inheritance, when he separated the sons of men, he set boundaries for the people according to the number of sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people, and Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. You can skip like three. Listen to this. You know what Moses is saying, Israel? When you came out of Egypt, let me tell you what God did for you. You came up out of the land of Egypt, and you're a ragtag group of people. And he brought you to Mount Sinai. And he gave you his law. And you didn't know what was going to happen at that point. But let me tell you what God did for you. He brought you to the other side of the Jordan. And when he brought you to the land of Edom. And we don't have to review it. God said don't, don't uh, fight Edom. Because I'm giving Edom their land. Then they went up to the land of Moab. And God said to Moses, don't fight with Moab. I'm giving Moab their land. 
Then they went up to Ammon, sons of Ammon. He says, don't touch them because I'm giving them their land. God distributed the portions of land. Actually, Genesis 10, he distributed all different peoples all over the world. But Israel, you are special. You are special. Look at me. Look what God says in uh, Genesis chapter 17, verse 20. Verse 20, way back. As for Ishmael, Abraham's other son, I've heard your cry, Abraham. Behold, I'm going to bless him. I'll make him fruitful. I'll multiply him greatly, exceedingly. He shall become a father of 12 nations. God made the Arab nations. And it says, I will make him a great nation. But you, Israel. Yeah, you know that movement. You, you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You. See, Israel, God is saying to Israel, you're the ones. You. I'm making you special, Israel. Remember what God did. Israel, look what it says. The Lord said to Abram, after, after Lot had separated from him, Abraham, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. North, south, east, west. It's yours. The glory of all lands. I'm giving this land to you. When you get there, you see the hills and the valleys. Many, many great valleys with vineyards and olive groves. And you see the mountains, the mighty mountains of Israel. Mount Hermon with the snow, the blessings of Israel. Then you see the streams and the water. You see the Mediterranean, the Sea of Galilee. You see the streams all over. And he says to, Israel, to Abraham, look north, south, east, west. Abraham, it's yours. I've given all this to you. Verse 15, for all the land which you see, Abraham, I give it to you and your descendants forever. I will make your descendants like the dust of the earth so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants uh, can also be numbered. Arise, I like this one. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth. I give it to you. First, we recount God's greatness. Second, remember his goodness and blessings to you. I like the way Psalm 105 puts it. Verse 8, God remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath he made to Isaac. Then he confirmed it to Jacob for a statute. What? He says to Israel as an everlasting covenant saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance. God has given Israel so much. We make the application to us. What has God given us? We forget, don't we? Okay, first, you ascribe greatness to God. Go through his attributes. It's good practice. Then go through what he's done for you. Why do I say January 15th? I remember my salvation when my life began. He took a crazy, wild, young man. Changed my life. He gave me salvation. Gave me a whole new perspective on life. You know, I go back to Philly every so often. And I see my old friends. And I pity them. They're stuck. They're nowhere. Oh, they may have gotten jobs. But life's been a waste, folks. Without God, there's no real meaning. Oh, I know. They got a wife and some kids. Yeah, okay. That's all gravy. I think what God's done, He's given me salvation. He's given me a relationship with Him. I remember the blessings. You know what a blessing it is. Oh, you're missing it. If you don't wake up every morning and open that book, 
What a blessing to hear the word of God. Change the way you're thinking. What a blessing it is to be able to talk to him. What has he done for me? I'll tell you what he's done. He's given me us this building. He's given us this. It's unique. People all over. Everywhere you go, they well, I'm looking for a congregation. I haven't found the right one yet. Everyone's looking. You got a family right here. And if you're a visitor, it should be your family. No, 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 no. This is a great, great spiritual family. God has blessed us with so much. He's given us California. Uh, you've heard bad about California. But I like it here. I know, taxes, political agenda. I'm not going there. Anyway, I, I know. We got California and it's nice. If you can afford it. But it's very, very... He's giving you finances too. He's giving you homes. He's giving you spouses. He's giving you children. We forget the blessings of God in our life, folks. We have so much, but we forget it. I think sometimes we want more. Yeah, all right. You know, all right, Lord, this is good. What have you done for me lately? I want more now. Just think of God's word to David. If that had been too little, I'd give you more. Because God loves to give more. What has he done? He gave Israel so much, he gives us. Homes and cars. I know, cars are headaches. But anyway, we lose sight of what he has done. We need to recite the blessings of God. So first I said, we recount his greatness. Second, we recall his goodness to us. And third, in remembering and not forgetting, we reflect on our beginnings with God. I like this. It's personal touch. Look what Moses says to Israel. Verse 10. He found Israel in a desert. This is their song. Lord, you found us in a desert. Commentators go back and forth whether the desert means Egypt or the wilderness wanderings. Not important. What it's trying to tell us is God found you when you were nothing. God found you when you're in despair. God found you when you had no hope and direction. God found you. Go back to the beginnings. God found you in a desert land. In a howling waste of a wilderness. Again, they say it could be the wilderness wandering. It could be in Egypt. Comparing the, the uh, flowing of milk and honey of Israel with the desert land of Egypt. We're not sure. All he's trying to say is God found you when there was nothing. When you were nothing. When there was no hope. He encircled. He cared for you. He guarded you as the pupil of his eye. Yes, Greg, afterward, the pupil of his eye. The, the, it's such an endearing. It's the most important part. The protection of his eye. The pupil. You are special. God watched over Israel. It's the pupil of his eye. And here's the great illustration. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest. That hovers over its young. He spread his wings and he caught them. He carried them with his pinions. You know what this is? This, you know what eagles do? They get, the, they get the little ones, the eaglets. I don't know what they're called. Anyway, and they take them way up to the tops of the mountains. And they build a nice little nest for the eaglets. And the little eaglets are And the little, the big giant eagle comes, warm. Thank you. And he keeps going, keeps giving them. And they're so comfortable and cozy. Then all of a sudden, dad comes and starts shaking the nest. Oh, no, don't shake. Give me the. And then all of a sudden, the, the parent, the eagle, kicks him out. <laughs> He's going down. 
Mm, thanks, Dad. Back up to the heights. That's good. Don't do that again. <laughs> Keeps doing it. And then one day, you, hey, this is pretty cool. And he gets it going. God cared for Israel. Like a parent over his child. Remember the early days, your beginnings. God caught you. The Lord guided you, Israel. There was no foreign God with you like there was in Egypt. They had so many foreign, false, crazy gods. Gods of frogs and flies and lice. and They were all false gods and darkness. Egypt had so many false, crazy gods. Then you came into Canaan where Edom, Moab, sons of Ammon, all that. And outside then you came into the land of Israel where the Philistines were. And the uh, Canaanites and the Gergesites and the Hittites and the Hivites and all the ites. And they had all kinds of gods, false gods everywhere. They only wanted to, to burn their children and take their lives. And they said, no, no, not with God. Only one God. A God of greatness. Who loves you. Cares for you. Takes care of you. Oh, Israel, remember the faithfulness of God. There is no foreign God with him. He made you ride on the heights. I love this phrase. He made you ride on the high places of the earth. Israel, God put you above everything. The high places. Could be the Golan Heights. We go there. And he says, and you ate the produce of the field. You made, uh, you suck honey from the rock. Could be a reference to the bees and the hives in the rocks and the honey that they got out of the rocks. And it says, and he made oil, possibly olive oil from the different fields, the dry fields and the dirt, curds of cows, the cows of Bashan up in the Golan Heights, the beautiful Golan Heights. I love going up to the Golan Heights. Those of you who've never been, you're scared to death. So that's close to Syria. Yeah, it's, really, it's so beautiful up in the Golan Heights. I love, it's one of my favorite places. You get there and you see the different cows of Bashan, meaty, fat. God gave them the cows of Bashan. Remember Israel came up for, like I said, Edom, Moab, sons of Ammon, that whole land there, God gave them. It's a beautiful land of vineyards and olive groves and wheat and beauty. You travel there, it's a beautiful, beautiful. We do that on our third day. It's pretty, the third and fourth day, it's beautiful. He says, you ate the cows, curds, ah, the milk from the cows, curds, milk uh, of the flock, lambs, fat of lambs. And rams, the breed of Bashan and goats and the finest of the wheat and the blood of grapes, the vineyards. We go up from the Golan Heights. We go to the winery of the Golan Oh, I shouldn't say. We go there. It's very, very nice. It's beauty. We go to the, it says, the finest of the wheat and the blood of the grapes of the wine. Remember your beginnings, folk. That's what Moses is saying. Recount God's greatness. Remember his goodness and blessings? Go back to the beginning. Now what I like and I tell you and you should do too. Find a time. Sometimes I speak on Sundays in the churches. People say, oh, you got to do that? Well, and sometimes I travel. They limit it. It's only 100 miles one way. Anyway, uh, when I go travel, someone say, you got to do that? Well, you know what you do? What I do is get a cup of coffee. I get in that car and I start traveling. And I recount my beginnings. What beginnings? January 15th, 1972. And I recount those for seven months in Philadelphia and God's goodness to me. Then I remember after those seven months, he took me to Chicago. And I'm thinking about all this time, why is it so easy? Because I always do it. Chicago, they were great years. I dated Fran, went to Moody Bible Institute, 
Became great friends with Joel Chernoff. We had great fellowship and Bible study. Two years in Chicago, it was great. Then he took me from Chicago and he moved me to the West Bank, New Jersey. And I was over there. <laughs> and we had great, great time. It was a, yeah, it was chosen after that. And in New Jersey, that was great. I remember those days when God was blessing us there. Or was there, yeah, I'm trying to think of that. Chicago. And we got married. Oh, no, we went to Brooklyn first. <laughs> Brooklyn. Anyway, it was great. God took us in Brooklyn. And then from Brooklyn, he took us to Dallas. And those years in Dallas, I remember those years. They were still in the early years. 1980, God sent us Rachel in Dallas. And then we were there, and then God took us from there. Then we moved to the West Bank, New Jersey. And, were, and I do this all the time, folks. Because it's such a good, healthy practice to remember what he did with me. And he added Fran. And he added Rachel. And he added Becca. Then he added blessings. Then he added ministry. Then he added grandchildren. It's good to remember what he's done for you in the early years. That protects you, folks, from turning away, from rejecting what God has done. Fill it in. Number two, we should beware, beware of turning, rebelling, and forsaking God. You know what this is really saying? Everyone look up here. It's nice you reflect on the attributes of God, what he's done in your life, the early days, the beginning. But beware, because it's so easy, and we all do. We, we forget the greatness of God. We forget the blessings of God. We forget the early years because of the trouble we have now. Or the prosperity we have. What God is telling Moses and Jewish people and us, beware, we turn. Listen, all the time. Don't sit back and say you don't turn. You are a turner. Say everyone out loud. Ah, You don't have to, it's just cultists. I am a turner. If you don't want, don't. Anyway, we turn, that's what we do. So Moses is warning the people, don't turn. That's what you want to do, don't do it. Fill it in. We should not forsake and forget God. That's what we naturally do. You need to practice what I told you. The greatness of God. The blessings of God. The early days, God says to Israel. Chapter 32, verse 15. But Jeshurun, it's a beautiful term, Jeshurun. It means upright one. It's an endearing term. God is saying to his children, Oh, my children, my wonderful Israel, my upright one, my beautiful child. You got fat. That doesn't mean fat. You got comfortable. I gave you too much. You forgot me. I give you so much. But Jeshurun, you grew fat and you kicked. Prosperity took over. God gave Israel many, many things when he brought them out of Egypt. He gave them great, great possessions. He brought them into the land of Israel under Joshua and he gave them great blessings in the period of Judges. Then he built up the great nation of Israel from Saul to David to Solomon to one of the greatest empires the world has ever known. From the Euphrates all the way down into Egypt. The land was Israel. Prosperity like you'd never believe. Israel, you grew fat and you forgot me who gave it all to you. We do the same thing. God blesses us and we think, eh, we deserve it. 
We're good. We deserve it. We're good. Uh, you know, I always tell you. If congregation grows, Fran always warns me, don't get a big head. Yeah, I sit back and say, eh, I haven't done too bad. And Fran says, don't do it, please. Because God's in the head shrinking business. And Fran says, and if he shrinks your head, he's shrinking me with you. So don't do it. Don't go f- get fat and kick. Get fat and praise. Get fat and recount his greatness. Get fat and recall his goodness. Get fat and remember the beginnings. Get fat and remember it's all been God. You, nothing. And that's what God is warning Israel. Judgment grew fat, you kicked. You grew fat, thick, sleek. Then he forsook God, Israel. This is Israel's history. They forsook God who made them. They scorned the rock of his salvation. Prosperity many times takes us from God. Here's a prayer. Here's a dangerous prayer. If money keeps me from you, Lord, keep money from me. I mean it. You don't want money at the expense of God. Keep me close to you. There's your prayer. Keep me close. Israel forsook. Look at these verses if we can do them quick. Judges 2. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They served the Baals, false gods. Look at the words. They, everyone, forsook. Go down to verse 13. They forsook the Lord and served the Baals. Judges 3, verse 7. The sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. What's evil? They forgot. In verse 12, they did evil. That was, they forgot. Skip the next slide. Go to Judges 8, verse 33. Look what Israel did. Then it came about as soon as Gideon was dead. Ah, I love the story of Gideon. The beginning of Gideon says this. God, Israel turned away from God. So God sent them tourists and problems. Israel cried. Lord, we're sorry. We repent. God says, okay. I'll deliver you again. I'll send you a deliverer. He sent him Gideon. And Gideon saved Israel and became a judge. And they were happy and they were prosperous. And they did good again. And then look what it says at the end of Gideon's reign. It says, as soon as Gideon was dead, the sons of Israel, again, they turned. They played the harlot with the Baals. They made Baal, Bareth, their God. The sons of Israel did not remember. They turned. God is warning us, don't turn away from him. Constantly, Lord, help me. Whether it's poverty, that's one of the prayers in Proverbs. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Poverty, I will curse you and be upset. Riches, I will forget you. The prayer, actually, or follow 1 Timothy, us to be warned. But let those who want to get rich, let me see, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation. Don't want riches. I'm human like you. You can shower some riches on me, Lord. I'm human. Don't want riches. What should you want? The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. The center of your life. Because He is rich. Don't want riches. Those who want to get rich, you're going in the wrong direction. He might give it to you. That's good. He can trust you with it. 
He knows he can't entrust me with it. But anyway, those who want to get rich fall into temptation, snare, many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction for the love of money. Not money, the love, the craving, the wanting it. Things is the root of all sorts of evil. By longing for it, some have wandered from the faith. They pierce themselves with many griefs. Instruct those who want to be rich in the present world. Don't be conceited and fix their hope on uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things. Instruct those to be good, to do good, be rich in good works, generous, ready to share, storing up for yourselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. We should not forsake and forget God. And next, when you do forsake and forget God, you know what you do? You replace Him with something else, which is idolatry. Don't replace God with anything. Israel did. When they forsook God, it always says this. Everyone look up here. Israel forsook God and accepted the Bales all the time. You replace God when you forget Him. And so Moses is warning them. We shouldn't replace God with anyone. Be warned. Moses says in verse 16, They made God jealous with strange gods, abominations. They provoked Him to anger. They sacrificed to demons who are not gods. They sacrificed to gods whom they have not known. New gods who have come lately, whom your fathers did not dread. You neglected the rock who begot you, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. When always God brings them out of Egypt, God brings them to Mount Sinai, and what's the first thing they did? Golden, golden calf. First thing, that's how they start. Everywhere they turn. As soon as you forget God, you replace him with something. Israel did it. They replaced God immediately. Exodus 32. He took, the, uh, he took this from their hand. Aaron fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into molten calf. Amos chapter 5. Here's a verse. In 40 years in the wilderness. Everyone, look up here. You're in the wilderness. You're thirsty. What did God do for you? Gave you water. Amazing. You got, actually, you see the water coming from the rock? You have to go, it's unbelievable. We're bathing. We're swimming in the desert. It's unbelievable. I want meat. All right, I'll give you some good prime rib. I'll give you some, you know, ribeyes. Okay. I'll give, all right, women, I'll make a special filet for you. I'll give you the best of meat. You want bread? I'm going to give you some good bread. I'm going to give you everything you need. You got to be in the wilderness marveling. I'm warm in the night. I'm cool in the day. This, this God's amazing to protect me. I got to worship you. Ascribe greatness to you. <gasps> Your blessings to me. <sighs> what you did for me taking me out of Egypt. Lord, you are so good. Look what Amos says they did in the wilderness. Isn't this amazing? God says through Amos, he says, did you present with me sacrifices and grain offerings in the wilderness for 40 years? Oh, sure, you know, we loved you. 40 years, O house of Israel. Look what they did. You carried along sick with your king and key on your image. False gods in the wilderness. Not only did they have the golden calf, but they had golden idols in the wilderness with God providing for them. Now that's the mercy of God that he didn't just blot them out. They had false gods in the wilderness. The Judges 10. The sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Look what this verse says. They served the Baals, the Asherah, false gods, horrible, the God of Aram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of sons of Ammon, gods of the Philistines. They forsook the Lord and did, and did not serve. This is amazing. How God could do so much and they still turn. Psalm 106. 
They joined themselves to Baal, Peor, the sacrifices. They offered sacrifices to the dead. Israel, is something wrong with you? Look what he's doing. And you're sacrificing to false gods? Amazing. They did not destroy the peoples of the land that God commanded, but they mingled with the nations. They learned their evil practices. Look what they did. They served their gods, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons, their firstborn children, into the arms of false gods. And they burned them and destroyed them. Israel, something's got to be radically wrong with you. God is so good. You turn. You shed innocent blood, the blood of your sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. The land was polluted with the blood. Thus they became unclean in their practices, and they played the harlot to their deeds. Oh, we don't turn from God, do we? No, 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 no. We're good. You forget God, you replace God. We all do. With something else. Yeah, something more acceptable. A couple of things. We'll choose to date non-believers. That's a big peeve I have. Because some of you are getting older and desperate. I didn't say which group. I just said some of you. And it's getting late. And I want to have children. I'm getting a little desperate. So I'll date this person and we call it friendship evangelism. I'll become good friends with them. We date the non-believers thinking we'll win them to the Lord. Nonsense. You don't care. about. You say it. All you want is a mate. You want a family and children. So you go, you replace God with a date. Okay, we take it the next step to marriage. Huh. I can still worship God. My mate doesn't. You know how many times people come to me with misery and sadness? Now, if you have done it already, God can still bless you. But you've replaced God, folks. Just admit it. You replaced Him for something you like and wanted and needed because you refuse to serve God. You replace Him with something. I'll pick on some more people. You replace God with money or jobs. Yeah, I hear all the time. People, money, jobs, I can't come and worship because I have a job, position, popularity, sports. Don't get mad at me. My opinion. I'm just giving you my opinion. Your children are not going to become professional athletes. (laughs) Folks, they're not going to do it. Now you think you're doing them good by having them play sports on Saturday morning. You're not. You're teaching them that sports is more important than God. Oh, no, no. They need to interact with children. They'll get plenty of interaction. They don't need sports on Saturday morning. Now, my kids were like everyone else. And so Fran and I compromised. Not that we're great or right or do it all right. But we let our kids, one semester, you could miss one Saturday. Just let your teachers and your coaches know you're not there on Saturday morning. You're worshiping with God. Just think of it. You're going to teach your children, worship God or we play sports. Because they need to interact. You're doing what you want. You could teach your children the value of worship. The value of a congregation. 
So we replace God and we rationalize it. Sports. We need a home. We need work. We'll replace God with whatever. I put it this way. God comes second or last. And we replace him with what is convenient, feels good, and we like. We don't consider it idolatry, but it is. You've replaced God. Finally, let's fill it in. We should fear God. His anger, his displeasure, his discipline, his consequence. I said, first, we should remember God, not forget him. Second, beware of turning. Third, fear God, folks. Fear him. I'm not ashamed to say, I fear God. I love him. He loves me. He blesses me. He gives me much more than I deserve. But if I get out of line, I fear the Lord. He will discipline me. He knows how to discipline me. We fear God. We should fear God. We may lose God's presence in our lives. Let me explain. I didn't say you lose salvation. You never lose salvation. I know some of you think you can. You can't. You're wrong. But that's okay. I'm up here. You're not. Um, If you put your trust in the Lord, truly receive Him, you're saved for all eternity. But as a believer, you might lose His presence in your life. Many believers have come to me and said, where is He? I don't feel God's presence. Maybe God has withdrawn from you. Maybe He hid His face from you. (gasps) Not me. I'm a believer. No, if you turn from Him, He'll turn from you. If you hide his face, he'll hide his face. Look what it says, what God said to Israel. We lose uh, verse 32, 19. The Lord saw this when Israel turned and he spurned uh, and they spurned them because of the provocation of the sons uh, sons and daughters. Then he said, I will hide my face from them, God. They're singing the song. God's going to hide his face from us. If I get out of line, If I do not read his word, if I do not pray, if I do not choose to worship him, if I do not choose to follow him, God may say, okay, go. You don't want me? All right, go. See what will become. It's like God saying, let me see what's going to happen. Pretty sad, scary. That's what he said to Israel. He says, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be. Go on, Israel. You don't want me? I'll let them you rule, go by the nations. Let's see what their end will be. For they are a perverse generation, sons in whom there is no faithfulness. God will hide his face from you. God's presence might not be real in, in your life. We move away from God, and God may say, tell me what it was like. Tell me what it was like to turn away from me. Romans 1. Even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Therefore, God gave them over. And for this reason, God gave them over. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God anymore, God gave them over. God will give you over, folks. Which is pretty scary. You treat God lightly. He's going to treat you lightly. I don't want that. I want him to treat me as special. You may lose the presence of God and finally you can experience his anger, discipline, whatever you want to call it, punishment, displeasure. He says, Moses, sing the song. They've made me jealous by what is not God. They provoked me to anger with their idols. So I will make them jealous with those who are not a people. 
I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. For fire will be kindled my anger and burns to the lowest part of Sheol, consumes the earth and its yield, sets on fire the foundations of the mountains. God says to Israel, you want to turn from me? Okay. A couple things are going to happen. You want to turn from me and you want to worship the other idols? You want to turn to other gods, other nations? Let's see what their rule will be like over you. So God lets another army come in and capture them. Or God sends, holds back the rain. Or he sends them famines, disease, pestilence. God's anger with his people. If you treat him lightly, he'll treat you lightly. The ten northern tribes of Israel. Folks, where are they? They're lost. God allowed the northern nations to be captured by the Assyrians because they spurned him to anger. What happened when Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came in in the south to Judah? God allowed the temple to be wiped out and destroyed, taken captive to a foreign land for 70 years. God brought him back. What happened again? The beautiful, magnificent Herodian temple destroyed to the ground. Rome came in, took God's chosen people and dispersed them to the four ends of the earth for 2,000 years. You can experience God's displeasure, folks, in your life. He did it to his own chosen people, Israel. Psalm 106, Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he abhorred his inheritance. He gave them into the hands of the nations, those who hated and ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them, and they were subdued under their power. Many times he would deliver them, They, however, were rebellious in their counsel. They sank down in their iniquity. Proverbs 1, scary passage. Because I called you, you refused. I stretched out my hand to you. No one paid attention to me. You neglected all my counsel. You didn't want my reproof. You turned from God. I will laugh when your calamity comes. I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then you'll call on me, but I won't answer because you didn't want me. You turned from me. They will seek me. They won't find me because they hated knowledge. They didn't choose the fear of the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way. Uh, of their own way, they will be satiated, satisfied with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them. Turn away from God; it will destroy you. The complacency of fools will destroy you. He who listens to me shall live securely and be at ease from the dread of evil. We conclude with a warning, folks. God gives us a warning. What's he say? Do I have anything up there on there? Oh, he gives us a warning. God is telling Moses to warn the children of Israel. God is telling us, don't turn from him. Put him first in your life. God's giving us a warning. Don't turn. Don't seek the world. Give thanks and remember. There's a story I close with. The great, great prophet Elisha and his servant Gehazi. And people came to Elisha. Naaman got healed. And Naaman said to Elisha, can I give you some gold and silver and all kinds of riches that I've gotten in the world? And Elisha says, no, no. God heals you anyway. It's not the time to take gold and silver and precious things. It's time to seek God. And Naaman thanks him and goes away. And he leaves with his gold and riches and clothing and garments. 
And Elijah is right here with his servant Gehazi. And Gehazi is watching his master Elisha. Wow. He healed that guy. The guy wanted to give him gold and riches and garments and stuff. And Gehazi goes, hmm, that's nice. My servant Elisha is nuts. Maybe I can get it. Excuse me, Elisha. I got to go to the men's room. Restroom. I'll be back in a little bit. You need me? No, no. Oh, I'll see you soon. I'll be right back. No, no problem. <laughs> Naaman, Naaman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, has he? What do you want? He goes, well, my master didn't want anything from you. No, no, he didn't. He says, but some prophets came. He lied. And he needs to help them and give them garments and some gold. Can you give me a little bit? I'll take it back to my master. Oh, sure. He said, what do you want? Said, give me a talent of gold. That's fine. About 70 pounds worth. He said, ah, take two. Take some garments. Yeah, he goes, wow, what a finding. Oh, this is amazing. My stupid Elijah, he doesn't know anything. It's heaven. He's carrying all this. Let me dump it off in my place. Walks back in. Elijah, so Gehazi, where were you? Oh, nowhere. Went to the bathroom. Had some devotions. Elijah says, oh, Gehazi. Oh, Gehazi. Bad, bad. I knew you went. I saw when Naaman turned to give you. He didn't have to see with his eyes. He knew it in his heart. And it says, Then he said to him, Did not my heart go with you, Gehazi? What are you doing? When the man turned from his chariot to meet you, is this a time to receive money and clothes and olive groves and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male and female and the worldly things? No. It's time to see God. Therefore, the leprosy that Laman had, that Naaman had, shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence, a leper as white as snow. It's time to give thanks to God. It's time to praise God, who he is, what he does, how he saved us. It's time to guard. Don't turn from him. Fear his discipline. Don't turn away. When we reject God's goodness, his faithfulness, we can expect God's anger and discipline in our lives. Moses and God and Joshua are warning us. Don't reject the goodness of God. Let's bow for prayer. Father God, we thank you. May we recount your greatness. May we recall your goodness. May we remember the beginnings of our salvation. May you protect us from turning and replacing you. May we fear and love you and respect you and worship you and proclaim the name of the Lord and ascribe greatness to our God. We thank you for this warning, Lord. We ask your blessings upon it. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.